ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Brisbane. El Neal. Three votes. And I declare the winner of the 2023 Brownlow Medal, Lockie Neal of the Brisbane Lions Football Club. As far as Brownlow Medal counts go, this one was a nail-biter. Five players were in play for the AFL's best and fairest in the final round. It was Lockie Neal who grabbed the honour for a second time. Not bad for a bloke who was not even picked in the All-Australian team. What does Neal's win tell us about the state of the Brownlow Medal in 2023? What did the count tell us about who might dominate the competition in years to come? And that annual question, does the award need tweaking? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Ben Cameron is an AFL commentator for ABC Sport. Ben, let's start on a high. To win the Brownlow twice is rare air. Lockie Neal is now in that space. How remarkable is this given that he started his career as lowly draft pick 58? Oh, it's incredible. So a 16-man crew who have won dual Brownlow medals. Uh, it's incredible that he's a part of it from Kaibi Bolite, a small country town near the border in South Australia. Uh, it's incredible to think that two years apart, Fremantle selected two dual Brownlow medalists in Nat Fife at pick 20 and then Lockie Neal at pick 58. That's Lockie Neal was best on the ground at under 18 level in the South Australian Grand Final after placing great senior footy at Glenelg. Again, a smaller player. Fellow that can win the footy played very well for the state at under 18 level. The man who was behind those picks is Phil Smart, and doesn't that seem like an aptronym right now? Those were astute selections and, and two great players that Fremantle were able to find as uh, diamonds in the rough in the draft. But I'm sure Lockie Neal's sitting back today and thinking, wow, I sit alongside the likes of Judd and Ablett. They're the, the two recent dual Brownlow medalists, along with Nat Fife, his great mate, that spring to mind. I feel like regardless of who wins this award, though, Ben, there's rarely a consensus view that it was the right person. I feel like there's always debate about who is really deserving, and this year feels no different. So why would some people be arguing that Neil's victory isn't a true reflection of the competition's best and fairest, regardless of the fact that, you know, he's got the award today? Well, I think that's just inherent with the award. We have all of the other consensus awards. So we have the AFL PAMVP, which is the Players Association Most Valuable Player, voted on by your peers, the players. We have the AFL CA Award, which is the Coaches Award, voted on by the coaches. This is one that is voted on by the umpires, which uh, obviously leads it open to, or leaves it open to, to criticism. The fact that they are focusing primarily on umpiring the game. Some people believe they are not the best judges. Uh, and then the critical point is, they're left to vote on the game without looking at the stats. So we see a lot of games like where Lockie had uh, 20 disposals and there were, I think, 14 players that had more disposals than him in the game and yet he received the three votes. GWS v Brisbane. Brisbane D. Rich, one vote. Brisbane C. Cameron, two votes. Brisbane L. Neal, three votes. There are going to be moments like that. He also wasn't picked in the All-Australian team. He's the first to win a Brownlow uh, from outside the All-Australian team since Matt Prittis in 2014. The same thing actually happened in the AFLW last year with Ali Anderson. So it, it can happen. He was fifth in the AFL Coaches Association votes, and he was eighth in our expert votes from the uh, the ABC Footballer of the Year. So the umpires are naturally going to see things differently to experts, to coaches, to players. 
And the counter argument, I suppose, is the way the award is structured. It kind of makes sense. You know, he is an exceptional player in a team that won a whole lot of games. It's always going to align for someone like Lockie Neal to claim this honour. Yeah, and I think when you look at it with Lockie this year, and this is to take nothing away from Lockie's achievement, there's not a lot of guys in that Brisbane team that were going to take votes off him. Will Ashcroft polled really well as a first-year player, but generally speaking, first-year players don't poll overly well. Josh Dunkley is a tremendous player as well, but he was never going to pinch too many off him. And then the other stars are Charlie Cameron and Joe Danaher. They're never going to pinch too many votes as, as forwards, one being a key forward and one being a small forward, and that was reflected last night. So um, I think there were a lot of votes left on the table for Lockie Neal as the key accumulator and dominant player in a team that won as many games as the Brisbane Lions, which has helped him win this second Brownlow medal. And you reflect on it, I mean, he missed out by one vote last year when Paddy Cripps won it, and Paddy Cripps could have easily been rendered ineligible for that had his ban been upheld for that bump on Kalar Chi, which I think a lot of people were... Surprised to see him get off. Fisted it forward. Archie absolutely crunched by Paddy Cripps. Lions players come in to remonstrate and Archie's down. The ball spills though. Umpire says play on. Had he been banned, Lockie Neal's a three-time Brownlow medalist today, which is incredible to think. Maybe not the the dynamic, game-breaking player that a lot of people seem to, to marry up with a Brownlow medalist, but he is... Uh, an accumulator, which we know the umpires love, and his superpower is how clean he is. Lockie Neal is the best one-touch player in the competition, uh, and that allows him to get a lot of clearances. I hate to interrupt the singing. You know, the restart, Neal gets the kick away. Inside forward, 50, here's Hipwood. His lightning hand to boot in terms of when he gathers it, getting it on the boot and getting a clearance. You know, the quickness between his ears makes up for his lack of fleet of foot. You touched on the fact that forwards are frequently overlooked in this award, and it's not just forwards, it's Ruckman, it's defenders. The annual Brownlow needs fixing conversation is almost kind of part of the event itself. And I feel especially sorry for the defenders out there. I'm thinking Darcy Moore, Stephen May, James Sicily, Sam Taylor. Is there anything the AFL can do to acknowledge these players in the Brownlow framework, or do we just have to accept that this is a midfielder's world and we're just living in it? Yeah, not unless they want to change who votes on the medal, which we've got all of the other awards for that. Like I said, we've got the Coaches Award, we've got the the Players Award. So this is the Umpires Award. It just happens to be the one that is the longest running and has the most prestige attached to it. So unless you wish to change the way in which this award is voted on, I think this is what it's going to be. And people have to understand that that is just inherent with the award. They have to reconcile that. And that is also... What makes it so intriguing on the night in many ways? Because we get this enthralling count where we see uh, the numbers move on the night. We're not really sure who's going to get the three votes. Round 24. It's actually pretty good. Western Bulldogs. M. Bontempelli, three votes. I think there were a lot last night that were wrong, one of which was, you know, Errol Goulden in the final round. He had 42-2. and two. Sydney, E. Goulden, one vote. The Lockie Neal instance I mentioned, Jason Horn francis had a game in which he had 13 disposals and, and got the three votes. So I just think it's unrealistic to expect the umpires to vote without the stats and get it right. But 
but I think it's just inherent in the award. Just quickly, Stacky, there were 17 instances last night where players polled three Brownlow votes but received no coaches' votes, and there were 20 times a player received full coaches' votes but no Brownlow votes. So, you know, I'm able to reconcile that this is how the umpires see it and it is what it is, but I can understand why a lot of people struggle with that. I've probably skewed a little bit negative in this conversation, so I should make it clear. I love the eccentric nature of the Brownlow, so help me finish on a high. Using this year's count as maybe a mechanism for forecasting future competition domination, who are the players that the umpires told us are going to dominate the competition in 2024 and years to come? Yeah, and I think this is one that the umpires did get right. So you look at guys like Nick Dacos, a second-year player, equaled the highest number of votes for a a second-year player last night with his total of 28. Collingwood in Dacos, three votes. Uh, Errol Goulden, who came with an absolute rush. Uh, We also saw Zach Butters and what he was able to do last night. To the front of the stoppage, able to tap it down. Gee, Butters stole it, snapped it over his shoulder. He's kicked an absolute ripper. How good is this kid? And one thing all of those guys have in common, Stacky, is they're not overly big. And and Corbin Middlemass, my colleague, uh, has done a really good job of explaining this, that their importance to uh, the game in young kids, a lot of young kids will look at them and say, look, they're not overly big. They're not, not too different from me. They tend to assimilate a lot stronger to those kids. And the same thing has happened with Steph Curry in the NBA. He's not overly big. Kids tend to relate to him a lot, uh, a lot closer than they do, you know, guys like Patrick Cripps for whatever reason. Uh, and I think that will drive the game forward in a really strong way in, in years to come with their fandom amongst uh, the younger fan base and the Oz kickers. Benny Cameron, it's a fascinating count. Thanks so much for picking it all apart for us. Uh, my pleasure, Stacky, anytime. Headlines. While Neil and his teammates trained in front of adoring fans in Brisbane, in Melbourne, all eyes were on Taylor Adams as he attempted to beat a hamstring injury and gain grand final selection. The midfielder did not last long, cutting a forlorn figure as he left the track early and he has now been ruled out of the 2023 season decider. You might remember our headline yesterday about North Melbourne getting draft assistance to help them improve on-field after years of struggles. But not everyone is a fan of the Kangaroos receiving equalisation help. His rival coach, Chris Scott. So there is a mechanism of equalisation within the competition already. If you finish second last, you get second pick in the draft. And they've had that for a number of years now yep. because they chose to go down a certain path. Mm. But the AFL pretty quickly has got to get to the point, in my view, where they just get out of the way and let the system operate without this blatant manipulation. Chris has some thoughts. In the NRL, the Broncos are playing down some minor injury concerns to their squad ahead of the grand final. British centre Herbie Farnworth is struggling with quad and thigh tightness, while star fullback Reese Walsh also appeared to be getting heavy physio work on his left hamstring during training. The club is confident both players will be fit and ready to go for the clash with the Panthers, and they will need them. And referee Ashley Klein won't officiate the rugby league season decider. Adam G will referee his first grand final. Klein was dropped to the bunker after a poor performance in the Storm semi-final win over the Roosters, and he has not made it back onto the field for Brisbane v Penrith. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Channel 7 and Fox Footy for the extra audio used in this episode. 
I just cried, she cried, Brad, and I just meant it's an honour. Nisham Footy. I really wanted to make a difference, I guess, in the Pacifica communities. The biggest stories and most exciting Pacifica talent in the rugby league and rugby union worlds. Hosted by myself, Tenero Aruna, who bleeds rugby league, and union diehard, Sam Wags. We'll argue about which code is better, chat women's footy, and hear from plenty of Nisham athletes. Nisham Footy. Find it on the ABC Listen app, and if you're in the Pacific, wherever you get your podcasts.